Welcome everybody to the Internet of Assets, the podcast about the not-so-distant future of finance. My name is Jelle Pol, founder and director at Dusk Network, and every episode, me and a guest will dive into a specific aspect of the financial sector. We try to do this in a maximum of 20 minutes. In this episode, I'll be discussing how to bring innovative companies to market, and I'll be discussing this with Bram Kanstein. Welcome, Bram. Thanks. And uh, Bram, I know you as an early-stage startup expert, product builder, you work with startups on validating IDs, building minimum viable products, uh, developing go-to-market strategies and the products that are associated with it. Uh, but what was your previous career? Where did you work or what have you done uh, up until this point? I think over the, over the span of my career, I've done various, of, uh, various amount of these things in different setups. So I started at the next web which is one of the biggest tech blocks in the world. It's a Dutch company. Um, Then I worked at a small investor. Uh, Then I worked for Product Hunt, which is an online community where people can discover new new products and services. I launched my own product called Startup Stash, which is a curated directory of resources and tools for startups. Um, Ran that and sold that after two years. Uh, I think it's now been used by over a million people. So that's a super Mm. fun, fun journey as well. And after that, I thought, well, I've seen this space of uh, developing and starting new companies, ideas and products from different angles. But um, what what would that be like at a corporate company? Uh, because everyone has an idea about, about corporate companies, right? <laughs> and I thought, okay, let's, let's uh, experience that for myself. So I ended up at uh, uh, one of the biggest banks in the Netherlands. Yeah. And um, I currently work... Uh, I work for myself, but I also work at a big, uh, another big corporate in, in finance now. Um, and yeah, that's basically, uh, yeah, sometimes I call myself a professional devil's advocate <laughs> on this, uh, on this subject. Um, yeah, I love learning about new, new industries, new types of services, products, etc. And, um, yeah, I try to practice that in, in my everyday work and also tinkering around with with own ideas and and also especially and i think that's what we're talking about uh, the the crypto space and everything yeah yeah no of course we uh, a lot of what we do is related to blockchain or crypto or at least the role of technology and in, in, in innovation or financial innovation uh, but we really want to uh, you know highlight what our guests specialize in you 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 mentioned innovation in the widest sense and that you've launched all kinds of products or have done all kinds of ventures but what for you were for example big differentiators between the things that you did successfully to put it that way or the things that may be filled yeah i think if eventually it's all about distribution and and this is also what i think one of the things that you want to talk about in 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 this conversation right like building a product is becoming a quote-unquote easier every day um but the distribution part is getting harder every day right like the noise is getting bigger uh like a, a few weeks ago i read this stat about um, how many new apps uh, consumers in America download. It's like 1.2 new apps each month. Oh, so wow. whenever I hear someone say, you know, I'm, I'm building this app, then <laughs> I'm like, why? why? Like, why is it an app? Like, like it, an, an honest question, like, why is it an app or not a web app or a Mac application or whatever, right? So th- that, that distribution part and with distribution, I mean, like, how, how do you distribute your products to the right people that you want to reach, right? Yeah. Uh, for, for whom you've made the product and which channels are you are you using? And yeah, like I say, uh, I think every day it's getting more and more saturated. So that's 
that's now becoming, I think, the hardest part. Like, how do you cut through that noise, even when you have a superior product, right, compared to other competitors or, or existing alternatives? Yeah, it's definitely no longer a build it and they will come, right? What hasn't been for ages, but it's only becoming more true. Like, a product superiority doesn't cut it. No, it doesn't cut it. Like, you have to find, I think, in Silicon Valley, they call it a wedge, right? You, yeah. Like, you have to find your wedge into a market, uh and um, yeah, I, I feel that it's becoming more and more um, like a boots on the ground or feet in the mud. I don't know what the English <laughs> translation is, but like I have a friend who lives in um, in, uh, in Palo Alto and he just uh, started uh, with a new company. It's in uh, the, the medical practices. Yeah. And he literally spent two months uh, as a human backend in uh, a medical practice. Yeah. To learn to learn about you know the real problems that he wants to solve, and he's been doing that with several practices, and that's it sounds so small right in this really big like digital world, but that's how you start your distribution yeah. because you know owners of medical practices uh, know other owners or they have a conglomerate or or whatever and like that is if yeah if you can start with that seed um, and truly solve a problem then I think you can. You know, succeed, and if you just build a product and then randomly start figuring out your distribution, it's going to be very, very hard to. Um, did you also experience it that grow. way with your own kind of successful products? That that getting distribution right was yeah, the big because difference? those products were super, super basic, like very, very basic. Right. Uh, but I think it it only succeeded because. Um, I, I really built something with an early audience. I created an audience. I found the right channel to, to launch that product. So it's like all these little things uh, uh, together. And yeah, honestly, the, the, the product was uh, yeah, very, very, very basic. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's also the, I believe Elon Musk put it quite well, where, where he said there's no, there's no, uh, uh, nothing bad about doing something that has a little bit of value to a huge amount of people, right? You don't have to do something deeply impactful for a small group. You can also do something with a little bit of impact for a huge group. Yeah, and I think that's already one of the choices that you need to make in the beginning, right? <laughs> I think uh, there, there's another business guru, Gary Vaynerchuk, always says, yeah. you know, you, like, you have to go deep for a small set of people, right? Yeah. So solve a, a big problem for a small set of people, and then you can charge more money and you know that's it's just one of the approaches that that you can take and i think if we translate that to crypto i i feel because crypto crypto space is obviously super technical there's there's like a third challenge um that's kind of in the product but how do you translate that technical part to something that's usable or even make that technical part invisible right like <laughs> Uh, we previously talked before you hit record about the ATM machine. <laughs> yeah. The ATM machine works, but does it matter? No, because you get the value that you want, which is money out of the machine. Yeah, yeah exactly. And and so I want to get into crypto in a, in, in a few minutes, but maybe before we do, you mentioned that you've been working for a large bank recently and now uh, uh, another large corporate. Do you see differences in innovation between specifically the financial sector and maybe other places? Yeah, so so one of the reasons that I wanted to work at a corporate and am now again working at a corporate is because I think there's a different challenge. When we talk about product and distribution, for example, we take those two parts. Um, 
if there's three guys in an attic building an amazing product, mm. uh, their challenge is the distribution part. Where yeah. within a big corporate, I'm assuming, and I'm still discovering, that <laughs> the distribution part is easier, right? Like easier, yeah. again, quote unquote. If you have a big company with, uh, well, this company has millions of customers, uh, business and, and consumers. Um, yeah, you can segment any way you want, right? Like single moms living in Amsterdam yeah. there in the past 10 years, whatever, like that specific. Yeah, and then you have um, thousands of hits, like uh, you've yeah, got segments and then everywhere. You have that subset, then you have the really clear focused segment that you want to uh, solve problems for. Um, so my assumption is, and, and I'm still working on it, that that, that is easy. <laughs> But the other side, the product side, is how do you go lean and mean like three guys in an attic within an environment that's totally optimized to uh, execute on an on a known business model, right? So whether it's mortgages yeah. or insurances, etc. That's not the rocket science business, but there's money in it because it's super optimized. Like every gear in the in the system knows what to yeah. do, um, and there my assumption is that it's. It's really hard to be like three guys in an attic within that environment, and I think that and that is the challenge that I'm I'm also working on in my. Uh, so in my ob job. obviously you need to get the product right, but distribution is probably a little bit easier. But it's it's also a lot of process then, uh, maybe even rather than than product and distribution, like the way of getting them to actually innovate. Uh, it's uh, the yeah. classic corporate challenge. It's 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 a total shift in mindset and. Uh, the question that I answer or ask a lot is, uh, would you put your own money into this, <laughs> right? Like I'm, I'm drawing the parallel between three guys in an attic and, and three guys making 100K plus a year. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to show them that if, we are, if you are three guys in an attic plus me, mm. uh, we have to think about what our next step is every day. We have to talk every day about should yeah. we go left or right or straight or back or... You know, like we have to have that conversation every day. Um, and that is very uncomfortable for a lot of people if you have a cushy <laughs> job yeah. and, and you're getting paid anyway, right? So that whole environment of being in an attic, eating ramen and, you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. the, the metaphors are. Or, yeah. yeah, you need to replicate um, the hunger that a startup can feel or the drive, at least, within a corporate environment. Yeah, because that gives you the right mindset and the right you know, way to look at whatever is happening, right? Whatever evidence you're gathering or whoever you're talking to, like um, it really, really clouds your judgment. Although there's obviously big advantages of a corporate with brand and money and yeah, yeah. the distribution part. No, it's a tricky machine yeah. to get moving, but once you uh, manage to do it, then it's quite unstoppable as well. It's just a very different game. Let's let's see. If we can get there. <laughs> yeah, indeed. You already mentioned the crypto space. I'm curious how you how you got into it, or what were your your first experience with the crypto and blockchain? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this before we talked. I think I think I have like a three part story. Uh, <laughs> the first part starts in I think 2012, hmm. so pretty early. Yeah. Um, I read the white paper. I think I followed some people on Twitter. Like I don't, I, I don't know exactly like how it started, but you know, I was I was into Bitcoin at the time and later Ethereum. I don't know the exact dates anymore, but but I read the white paper. It was already translated in in Dutch, and uh, I'm by the way a super non technical person. <laughs> uh, 
but I think the white paper is is almost a poetry thing. Like I googled yeah. like all these things, like uh, what's the the the, the Byzantium? Yeah, yeah, like Byzantine, Byzantine fault tolerance. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I googled all that stuff just to, yeah. This for me, it started with this typical, hey, I found something on the internet and I want to understand it. Yeah. Uh, which later evolved. So I don't know when I got in, like maybe at two three four hundred like maybe four hundred let's not yeah, drag yeah. too much like, let's say four hundred something like that dollars per bitcoin uh, yeah. yeah we had m- amount gox we had btce as yeah. uh, exchanges and yeah i i was trading i found out i wasn't a trader, <laughs> a trader. <laughs> so eventually i think i think i don't know if ethereum wasn't there yet but i think litecoin was ethereum was around 2014 um, i believe the ICO. yeah so later yeah, yeah yeah no so yeah so litecoin i think was there already so we were day trading and i i think my funniest example of being based in the netherlands and trying to get bitcoin was that uh, and trying to buy it with a credit card was me actually downloading Second Life, which is which is a <laughs> online, which is a game, yeah, um, where they have like a digital currency called the Linden Linden Dollar, yeah, and so I couldn't I couldn't buy Bitcoin with a credit card on any exchanges, like there wasn't a KYC, like it, it was no gateways, nothing, Wild West, no, so no on ramps, whatever. <laughs> So I went into Second Life. I created an account. I walked in Second Life to an ATM in Second Life, <laughs> where I uh, took out a uh, hundred uh, euros worth of Linden dollars, which is the currency of Second Life. And then, uh, so that is what I could use my credit card for. And then I had a hundred Linden dollars, and I would send them to an exchange. I think it was BTCE or like some weird. Yeah. No another exchange. So I sent the Linden dollars to, I don't know what the exchange was. Yeah. Then I exchanged it for something else. <laughs> and then I sent that to BTCE and then I bought Bitcoin. So right. I went from a hundred euros charged on my credit card to about like 60 euros worth of Bitcoin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> in the end, in efficiency. The end. Uh, yeah. Efficiency. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, it was actually the only way. Um, and so, yeah, I traded and at one point, I think we had a dip somewhere. Yeah. Well, the first kind of big hands. hype was around 2013 when it ran up to like a thousand and then, uh, then it dipped yeah. until basically the 2017 yeah, bull market. Yeah. Yeah. So I, somewhere around there, I was like, this isn't going <laughs> <out>. anywhere, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like anywhere I'm out. <laughs> I think I, I, I don't know how many, maybe seven Bitcoin. I don't know. Something around that range. Sold yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah I did. I was like, fuck, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then fast forward to somewhere like 2015, 16, uh, read about Ethereum, dove into Ethereum, Ethereum at $7, 13, 20, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually at 70, I was like, okay, I'm going to get in. Then something in my house broke. Uh, that I had, so I think seventy dollars was my okay. This is going to be a few k into Ethereum, and then yeah. not look at it forever. I'm done. Something in my house broke. Had to spend that money on my house. <laughs> so then I didn't get in. Still followed. Then I sold. Eventually sold uh, the the startup stash uh, website yeah. that I earlier mentioned. I sold it for Ethereum at right, like two hundred eighty dollars, three hundred something oh, like that. Right. Yeah. Then I sold another product also for Ethereum at a bit higher than it was maybe 600. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, and then I was like, okay, I'm not a trader. I'm just going to keep this, uh, put something into uh, Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, this is uh, where we are, I think. And I think in the past, like <clears throat> even in the past six months, I, I, I transferred some euros to Bitcoin as well. I'm, I'm, I'm full Michael Saylor convinced. Nice. I'm against the system. Fighting the good I'm, fight. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super, <laughs> I'm totally turned. So <laughs> awesome. Super, super bullish. No trader, just hodling and we'll I, see I, well it's a it's a it's a it's a cool story i haven't heard of many people who've exited a, a company for cryptocurrency when it wasn't a cryptocurrency company per se right or you maybe weren't yeah. even holding any at that point so you're re-entering the market through through an exit <laughs> that's awesome yeah and it's also and yeah well that's what happened and also i think that is kind of where the power is right because uh, the the buyer of the startup stash website was in israel mm. and the buyer of the other product was in the in the states and yeah, it's just a it's just a hassle to to well, uh, you know, in Israel they have uh, well, there's different currencies. So I said, yeah, well, what do you think of Ethereum? And they were like, yeah, dope, let's do it. And I was like, awesome. okay, that's fun. And then we had to pack the price, you know, like pick pick an yeah, amount. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, the classic. Yeah, uh, yeah, super fun. Like, but it showed that that way of working. I mean, that's that's like a five minute transfer, right? Yeah. a certain amount of money no it already had value back then for the people that believed in, in in the value intrinsic to the cryptos and now we're roughly four years uh, uh down the line from that point so what do you think has yeah. changed uh, since like what what's your view on where tokenization is going yeah so i i feel that that is something that i think is really interesting i feel that it's it's still so early so i i'm kind of objecting like all these short-term views and yeah. opinions right like yeah most tokens suck most ideas suck but like that is not different from the startup world or any other world where mm. there's ideas right like most ideas suck yeah um so i i don't feel that i want to be in those conversations i want to be more into the the like the longer term conversations or at least like I'm, I'm an avid user of twitter like i follow people yeah. that talk about that stuff and yeah for me super interesting i mean there's also the whole nft thing going on like the 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 having some sort of tangible ownership that's almost as physical or the same as physical ownership true technology is just super fascinating to me and i feel that not a lot of people talk about that right like also we like we have to make it t well tangible yeah, yeah. <laughs> for people that are just not technology people like true consumers right like the, the the scale is in i feel the consumer part or at least people that are way outside of our bubble um and i feel those are also the people that that would benefit the most from becoming their own system of whether it's banking or well i like to follow the, the exchanging value definition yeah. um yeah it has to be simpler but there's the challenge right in something that is super technical it's we can trust blockchain tech and and on oh no, and well you know the the concepts driving also dusk only if we understand it up to a certain point i feel it's different from the atm example right where yeah. 
it's instantly tangible because there's money in your hand in some way and you see it deducted from your account. Yeah, and if so it doesn't work, you walk into the bank and there's a person there that you can talk yeah, to. Yeah, something like that. And 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 yeah, there's there's some sort of trust that we learned well with the bank example because there's a person or because it's a bank. Yeah, yeah. Whatever we trusted. But now you people need to trust like a a world supercomputer like they have to trust mm. tech yeah. and yeah explaining that to people who are not on twitter every day or reading white papers or whatever i feel that is the biggest challenge because yeah i i think that's 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 one of the biggest steps towards towards adoption and and what kind of things do you think that crypto companies can learn from your experiences in the traditional innovation space? Do you see typical things that are lacking that you think they should step up their game on? Yeah, really make that translation from or transition from from yeah, the tech is cool, but who who cares? <laughs> like you're pro- there, there's less people that care than uh, that, that care about the tech. It's not about the tech. And I always say the same with, let's say, traditional startups, you know, where I see a pitch, you know, we have this machine learning, AI, whatever platform. Nobody cares, man. Like, it's about <laughs> the value that you get out of it. And there's this classic image of, um, you know, a little Mario Mario uh, figure, the flower, and Mario when he can shoot the fireballs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people pitch the flower. You know, my I am faster, cooler, whatever yeah. than any other flower, but not a lot of people pitch the 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 fireball spitting part, right? <laughs> and that is the value that people are, are looking for. Um, I have other examples, but I no, no, that's a great I one. That's a, that, <laughs> I think that's a good example that you know, and and we talked about this off mic. Like, if if I create a digital wallet on a phone, and you need to secure it with your private key, then Okay, maybe there's nothing si- simpler than just saying private key, because that is based. It's your only. Yeah, yeah. Key. yeah. Well, private key is pretty d- d- describing what it is. <laughs> but you have to strip away some complexity layers, or you know, and I think that is the biggest challenge. Like people, they need to trust the tech. So private key, yes, but hashes and what what not, you know, like. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think that is where the um, the challenges are. Like, make the tech more invisible, but take people along the story of that. That technology is actually part of the value that they're gonna experience. I hope that's clear. Like, no, feel, no, it's very clear. And, I feel and, that's and... an interesting just discussion in in general. I think all of these things. T- take time nonetheless also for people to build that trust or at least get rid of the things that they distrust but we've talked a little bit about how you started and what your experience is and and, and a little bit about where the space is now but in your opinion in your opinion maybe to also wrap things up what, what do you think the future of finance or tokenization looks like based on what we've discussed or where you see it going you said you were a little bit more on the long term uh what, what are you looking forward to in the next five to ten years yeah i think i think it's Sometimes I feel it's pretty dystopian, <laughs> like ba- banks are going to collapse. Everybody will be their own bank. Sometimes I'm <laughs> on that train. Yeah, yeah. And on the other side, I'm like last week, I uh, tweeted something about NFTs. Like I love, I love that this technology can 
you know, for example, the, the NFT part, I mean, one of the most um, uh, popular artists right now is an 18 year old guy from a random town in America. And he's, he's, he's selling his art for like $400,000 a piece. That's just amazing. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's that, that like that in itself is just an amazing example of like true power to the people, like someone who has a passion without any intermediary parties can reach their audience, make money, exchange value. And I, yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more of those examples, you know, whatever the industry is. I'm, I'm super excited about that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, uh, Bram. Uh, it was a great pleasure talking to you. Uh, we talked about startups, innovation, uh, all of your expertise is bringing companies to market and obviously all the goings on in the crypto space and where it's headed. Uh, so it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, my name is Jelle Pol. Uh, this was the Internet of Assets, the podcast about the not-so-distant future of finance. Thanks for listening all.